Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, They shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said, Today if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness, and to whom he did swear that they would not enter in his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. God, we come to you this morning asking you for your power, for your spirit to fall upon us. Lord, we need to hear from you. We have enough of this world. And Lord, we're none the better because of this world and the things that are in the world. But Holy Spirit of God, if you would just take over, if you would just touch our hearts this morning, if you would just move us from our lethargy, our slumber, and that we would see you in your glory, in your word, and we would be responsive to your word for your glory. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, move in our hearts. We must be changed. We cannot go on being the same, Lord. We need a revival. And we need you to send it. We can't conjure it up. We can't schedule it. We can't do anything, Lord. Only you can bring the fire. And we ask you this morning to do that. Lord, again, I pray for our church. There are many that are suffering. Many that are hurting. Many that are going through various trials and temptations and testings. And Lord, we just pray that your strength, your grace would be sufficient. And that each one would turn to you. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would fill me with your spirit, and that you would do something incredible through your church this morning for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. I uh, was listening to a preacher, and the preacher was from Scotland, originally be pastors here in the United States of America. And he said he phoned home to Scotland, to the church to which he was saved and he grew up in. He phoned the church, but he said he couldn't phone 
the church where it was when he was there. Because the church that he was in, the denomination that they were in, had moved away from the word of God and they lost all their property and everything because they, the small group stood for the word of God and they moved and lost three quarters of their congregation and only a quarter of that church stood faithful to the word of God and that church was no more. And he said it was on his 50th anniversary of being saved in that church that he called a man who was the senior elder in that church at the time and they had a discussion about his coming to faith and all that God had done in that church and how that it had been wiped out. We've seen many denominations that used to be more mainline in, in recent years, we've seen them go towards the world and away from Christ. This church in Hebrews, to whom the writer's writing, they were, their, their background predominantly was Jewish. They had been converted from Judaism to Christianity. And some of them were deciding that they wanted to go back to Judaism, that they wanted to leave Christianity, this newfound faith, it just didn't match up. They were used to all the sacrifices. They were used to all the sacraments. They were used to that legalism. You see, that's, a, that's the appeal about legalism. The appeal about legalism is you can do two or three things and then you, you feel good about yourself. But when you live by faith every day of your life, every moment of your life is by faith, it's difficult because you don't know what's around the next corner, right? And if you're going to live by faith, then you have to live by faith. And so the writer takes issue with the fact that many in this church were elevating Moses as the hero of the Jewish faith that led them out of uh, Egypt. They were elevating him above the Lord Jesus Christ. And you say, well, surely they would never do that. Absolutely they do. There are many denominations in the United States of America who elevate their leaders above the Lord Jesus Christ. That's nothing new. And as a result, the writer launches into this argument, and really the true argument here is, now listen to me, is beware of unbelief. Beware of unbelief. Now everybody look here please, closely. There is one sin that will send you to hell. And that is the sin of unbelief. If you reject the glorious gospel, you can't go to heaven. You cannot go to heaven. And the writer wants to be clear as we get in a little closer. Furthermore, there's nothing that you and I can do to get into heaven. Because when they reverted back to Judaism, they reverted back to works. Circumcision. Keeping the law. These things. And it just doesn't work. So notice the argument. Therefore, therefore always causes us to go back to the previous discussion. What was the previous discussion? Jesus is greater than everyone. He's greater than everyone. He's greater than everything. I'll just say this. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you get tired of hearing someone talk about Jesus, you've got a heart problem. 
I'm talking about the name, at the very name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That's what I'm talking about. And he says, therefore, based on that argument that Jesus is better, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Two terms he, call, he denotes Jesus by. First of all, the apostle. It means the, the one sent. I think it was last week, was it last week or week before, I asked Harry to come up at the end of the service and sing, He came to me. When I could not go to him, he came to me. The apostle is the one sent. God the Father sent the Son to us because we couldn't get him. And secondly, he says the high priest. The high priest was the one who represented the people to God. And what is Jesus doing? Jesus is representing God the Father, or us to God the Father. Now listen to me. Everybody watch this. As we study the book of Hebrews, if you keep these two things in mind, the apostle and the high priest of our confession, Jesus sent for us, and Jesus representing us to God, you can understand the book of Hebrews. If you don't, you're going to get caught up in all of the sacrifices and all of the Old Testament language, and you're going to be confused. But if you'll keep this in your mind, Jesus the Apostle, the one who came to us, and Jesus, my high priest, who represents me to God the Father. Do you know that when you believed in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that Jesus Christ took our sinfulness and gave us His righteousness. Now, when, when God looks out of the portals of heaven and sees your life, He no longer sees you in your past and all of your sin and all of your unrighteousness. He sees you in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you did nothing to do it. He gave it to you. He gave it to you. Notice what He says. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him. Now listen to me. You don't understand this. I don't understand this. We don't understand what it means to be faithful like Jesus Christ was faithful. I'll just be honest with you. In the day we live in, we know very little, very little about faithfulness. We think we know faithfulness. We think we're faithful. But Jesus Christ was faithful. He was faithful. He came to this earth, set on a course to die for our sins, and He never wavered, not one iota, from that course. And He went to the cross and died on the cross for you and for me. Do you know why? Because He loved us. And He was faithful. Jesus didn't worry about how many followers He had. You say, well, he fed 5,000. Do you know that in John chapter 6 and verse 66, it says this, And many of his disciples turned and walked with him no longer. Now, I think it's ironic, 666, but anyways, that's the verse. And so, when we see Jesus ascending into heaven, and we see the church... The church was confined to one building, about 120. Faithfulness was, to Jesus was not having a large following. Faithfulness to Jesus was doing what the Father called Him to do. 
And as believers in Jesus Christ, if we are going to be faithful, it has nothing to do with how many we have in our class, how many we have in our congregation. It has everything to do with doing what God has called us to do. There are some men and women in this church who do not like to be in front of people. They like to do things behind the scenes. When they go behind the scenes and they're faithful, they're doing what God's called them to do. They're doing it for Jesus Christ and for His glory. They will be rewarded for that. And let me tell you, I tell you this. God does not reward you based on results. He rewards you based on faithfulness. Four times in six verses we're going to see the, the word faithful. Four times. In six verses, faithful. I think it's important that we understand. Why is he going over this so laboriously about faithfulness? Because he's writing about unbelief. He's writing about those who said they were Christians, but in fact they were not Christians. That's why. Verse 2, who was faithful to him, the Father who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Talking to a Jewish audience. Think Jewish. A lot of times when you're reading the scriptures, think Jewish. They elevated Moses. He was their leader that led them out of Egypt. Every generation looked back to Moses with a grateful heart and they revered Moses. Moses was faithful. But the people he led wasn't. It was the next generation that got to see the promised land. Moses never got to step foot in the promised land. Verse 3, for this one Jesus who has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Well, who counted him worthy? God. The Father did. God the Father counted him worthy. So that's what matters. So God the Father counted him worthy inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. In other words... The one who builds the house has more honor than the house itself because the one who built it, designed it, created it, made it, put it together, there would be no house if it weren't for him. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was a faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward, but Christ as a son... Moses was faithful as a servant, Christ as a son. Christ was not forced against his will. He was voluntarily laid down his life. And he says this, Whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Now here's the, here's the point I want to make. The point I want to make is, this argument about all this is simply this. The writer is saying, Jesus Christ is greater than Moses. Because Jesus Christ is, is over the house. And guess who the house is? The house is not a building made with hands. The house is you, believers in Jesus Christ. What he is telling them is, you're looking to Moses and the external things. I'm looking to Christ and spiritual things. And I'm talking about believing. And he says, you are the house if you hold fast to confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Now, there's this big debate. And this debate's going to rage until the Lord comes back. 
And they'll say, don't you believe that when you're saved, you're saved forever? Yes, I believe that. You read this verse and you think, well, he's saying that you could be saved and then not be saved. That's not what he's saying. He's saying if you are saved, you will be eternally saved. If you are not saved, you will not be saved. And if you would go over to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 19, the scripture says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. This is what John says. For if they had been of us, they would not have went out from us. Are you, you see what he's saying? But the whole reason they went out from us is that that might be made manifest, or it might be made known, that none of them were of us. The writer of Hebrews is speaking to an issue that we have to speak to. And that is, not be, simply because everyone is in the church... That does not mean, just because everyone's in the church, it does not mean that everyone in the church is saved. I told you this before. I talked to a young couple that was going to get married. A couple that I had, a boy, the boy I had in the teen group back home. And I had moved down here, I lived down here, and they wanted me to officiate their wedding. And uh, his fiance, I talked to her in the basement of my house, and I was asking her about the gospel, and if anybody ever shared, shared, shared the gospel with her, she was 18 years old. She grew up in one church all her life, been there faithful to the church. And she said not one person in that church showed her the gospel. Now, I, I'm, I have to take her at her word. But she believed the Lord Jesus Christ right there in the basement when I showed her the gospel. Just because people go to church and just because they tithe and support the church and they may even work in Sunday school, they may do this, that, or the other, that does not mean that they're saved. And this is the argument he's going to make. Listen to this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And then he says this. Beware, what's that next term? Brethren. Now when you read that term, you think automatically, wow, wow, he's speaking to believers. They, these guys were believers. But understand, the writer of Hebrews, by this phrase, acknowledges that he's talking to the church as a group, but he doesn't know the individual salvation of each person in that group. He addresses them as church. I might address you as church, brothers and sisters in Christ, but I don't know in your heart which one of you has believed and which one has not. And he is placing this, this thought in our minds that we have, to, we have to see this because it is very pertinent from 4, 5, and 6, especially 6, that you understand this. When we get to chapter 6, it's very important. And what he is saying is, listen, he's saying this. There might be some in the church that do not believe. As a matter of fact, he is saying those of you that are in the church at, at Hebrews that he's talking to, that are departing Christianity and going back to Judaism, he is saying, you're not saved. 
And it's evidence that you're not saved because you're departing the Lord and going back. You were never genuinely saved. Verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Notice, in departing from the living God. There's only one way to depart from the living God. You know what that is? That is to reject the gospel. When you hear the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and you hear about that, and you hear that you're a sinner, and that you need to turn from your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary, and you say, nope. You're departing the living God. I can handle someone who argue with me over Christ and the gospel. I can handle that. What gets me is when someone says, you know, I really don't want to care. I don't hear it. I don't believe all that stuff. I'm not interested. I'm not going to listen to it. That's what scares me. At least somebody will argue with me. We can have a dialogue. If they want to prove something, we can talk, and they can hear the gospel, and they can believe. But if someone refuses to hear the gospel, how can you help them? How can you help them? Notice verse 13 when he says to the other believers, he says, listen, verse 13, but exhort one another, encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. What he is saying is, listen, church, if you are a genuine believer, you exhort, you encourage others to believe, be believers in Jesus Christ, to follow the gospel, to believe in the gospel. Why do you do that? You do it daily. Why? Do it before their hearts are hardened. Do it before their hearts are hardened. I don't know the statistic, but people tell me that many people that get saved, get saved early in life. The longer you live, the harder it is for someone to come to faith in Christ. Now, I, I just want to tell you straight up. Statistics, statistic, whatever, I still believe in the power of God. With God, all things are possible. God can save you all the way up to 99 deathbed. We don't save anybody. But I'm telling you this. There are people who can speak Christianese. There are people who can dress like the, the, they think the church should be. There are people who, who want all kinds of, of, of the, the, the accolades of church and they like it. I knew people who told me that the only reason they went to church was it was a great social event. It was a good way to meet people. I've had people who actually joined a church and went on a visitation so they could sell life insurance. Now, there's a special place right there for them, I'm just saying. But look at this. He says the urgency, the urgency. While today, while you can. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. If you've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've never been saved, let me just tell you something. I'm not making this up. There is a heaven. There is a hell. As a matter of fact, Jesus spoke of hell often in the Scriptures. Hell was never prepared for people. It was prepared for the devil and his angels, his followers. And those who reject the free offer of salvation, they will spend an eternity in hell. But you don't have to. You don't have to. You can hear the glorious gospel that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He came to this earth for the reason of dying on the cross so that you and I 
might have eternal life. He was buried and He arose from the grave. And if you and I will believe in Him, you will be saved. Paul and Silas is in a prison. An earthquake happens. They're singing and praising the Lord in prison. Earthquake happens. All the gates are flown open and the the, uh, soldier that's guarding them was going to kill himself because he knows what the consequences are for prisoners escaping. They tell him, hey, listen, do yourself no harm. We're here. We're good. We're fine. We didn't leave. And he comes in and he asks them this most pointed question in all the Scriptures. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Did they say keep all the law? Did they say be circumcised? Did they say wear a suit and tie? Did they say ladies wear a dress? Did they say speak in tongues? No, they said the most direct answer and it was this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so there's no confusion if your house wants to be saved too. They got to believe also. It's the same for everyone. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's an urgency about it that we've lost in our churches. We want to become popular. We want people to like us. we got all this technology that drives me insane. Most of our problems come from technical problems. Trying to orchestrate this and forgetting that and don't doing this and you know, figuring out what's wrong with Facebook and why they're you know, censoring us and we played a song and it says you don't have rights. And Goodness gracious. We need the glorious gospel. Now notice verse 14. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. But do you know what? 2 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says this. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. The whole point of the argument is this. If you walk away from the faith, you never had the faith. That's what the verse says. If you don't abide in the doctrine, you don't have God. And that's the whole argument. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. And just so we understand what He's talking about, in verse 16, For who, having heard rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? You think about this unfaithful, unrighteous generation. God led them out of Egypt. He provided for them manna. Their shoes didn't wear out. You can't get a pair of shoes last three months with all of our technology today. They didn't, have to, they didn't have to gather up all this and hold on to it. Every day he would give them manna. And after a few days of manna, they started becoming a little uh, complaining, complaining spirit people. Oh, this manna, manna, manna. All we ever get is manna. Wow, wow, manna, manna, manna. We were better off when we had those rice cakes in Egypt. Let me tell you, anything that comes from God is better in Egypt. I'm just telling you that. Verse 17, now with whom was he angry those 40 years? 
Was it not those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? What's this obey about? Believing. The command of God is to believe. It's always been believe. Abraham, I want you to get up and go away from your family. You obey? Yeah, believe, I'm believing. Uh, Abraham, I want you to offer up your son. How in the world could you do that? Walking up the hill, the son he prayed for. I can imagine him. He's just looking at his son, walking up the hill, maybe stroking his hair, thinking, you know, this is, this is my son I prayed for. And to add insult to injury, the son says, Dad, uh, I, I see the wood and I see the fire. Where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice? The Lord will provide. And he gets up on there. He puts his son on an altar. He draws the knife and he gets ready. And he stopped. And God provided the lamb. Guys, just because people are in the church doesn't mean that they're in Christ. It does not mean they're saved. I would hope that everybody is saved, and if you're not, you can take care of that today. You can be saved. But the fact that they elevated Moses over Christ, the fact that they were leaving Christianity to go back to Judaism, was proof positive that they never believed in Jesus Christ. And notice what he says. So we see that they could not enter because of what? Unbelief. Now, may I say to you, by the time we get to Hebrews chapter 12, you will find out in this particular passage, unbelief is pertaining to salvation. But in the life of the believer, do we really have faith in God? Do we really have faith in God? Um, now, we believe Him for our salvation, but now when it comes to daily living, a different kind of belief, do we have faith in God? Moses... He chose to endure the afflictions with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures for a season. He was in Pharaoh's family, adopted in the family. He had a life of luxury. But you know what? He had faith in God, so he departed from that. Let me ask you a question. Do you have faith in God? I know you believe in Jesus Christ for your salvation, and if you don't believe in Jesus Christ for your salvation here today, I would like to invite you to open your heart and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you're saved, do you have a daily faith and walk by faith with Christ? Let's do a survey. Can we do a survey? Survey. survey. <clears throat> Anybody here worry this past week? Okay. Did anybody worry more than one day this past week? Okay. Uh, did anybody seek advice from someone other than God this week? I think we struggle with our faith, don't we? And guess what? This comes full circle. Please watch this. I'm going to land this plane. Somebody said amen. Uh, listen to me. If you lack faith in God... You will lack in your faithfulness. Do you know how to testify to the world that 
you're a believer in Jesus Christ. If you are faithful. Your actions speak louder than words. Someone has said, I can't, I can't see your talk. I cannot see your talk. Someone else said, I ain't going to say that. The Lord restrained me there. Let me just say this, and I mean this with all my heart. Do not come to Shawnee Hills Baptist Church and sit through the continual preaching of the gospel and reject the gospel, please. If you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that your unbelief will send you to hell. But I will tell you this. Jesus loves you so much, He was willing to die in your place, in my place, in everyone's place. He went to the cross knowing everything we would ever do, even think, even say, and He still went to the cross. And He took all of our sin upon Him. he died they took him off the cross and they put him in a grave they put guards they sealed the tomb but none of that worked because the grave couldn't hold him and he came out of that grave he arose he is alive he arose from the grave and by the same power if you will believe, if you'll turn from your unbelief in the Lord and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He died for you, and by the same power He was buried and He arose from the grave, by that same power He'll save you. If you believe in Him, you will be saved. And if you are saved, your faithfulness shows that you're a believer. Be faithful. Be faithful. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Would you bow with me for prayer? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Someone is here and saying, Listen, preacher, I've never believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. If I were to die right now, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. I want you to know that you can be saved right where you are. You can be saved right where you are. This is between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you will acknowledge that you are a sinner and that you deserve to die, and because of your sin, you deserve to die, but Jesus died in your place, He was buried he arose from the grave. And today, if you will believe in Him, if you will turn and call on His name, ask Him to forgive you of your sins, ask you to come into your life and save you, He will do it. Will you believe in Him today? No one's looking. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Pastor, I need to be saved. And right in my seat right now, I would like to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe He died for me on the cross. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose from the grave.
And right now, the best way I know how, I want to call on Him and ask Him to forgive me of my sins and to be my Lord and Savior. No one's looking around. If you mean business, you're, you'll do that right there in your seat. Would you just simply raise up your hand? I want to pray for you. I'll do that right where I am today. I'll do that. Let me ask you a question. All of us in here, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. How many of you would honestly say, Pastor, right now, today, I'm going to ask the Lord to help me be faithful. I'm going to ask Him to help me be faithful. Amen. Would you stand with me? A verse of invitation. And may God bless this invitation. If you want to be saved, I would love for you to come and let me have someone show, share the Scriptures with you. If you're saved already, would you consider your apostle and our high priest of our confession, our faith,